Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. Some crazy things going on in our world, and I'm glad you're here to join with us. Um, One of the things that we are wanting to do is be able to connect with everybody better. And so we are going to be starting some Zoom online meetings throughout this week, and they're going to be reoccurring every week. Uh, You can go to zoom.us. If you just Google Zoom and click, you will get there. It is very popular right now. But you will have to download the app either on your mobile device or on your laptop or computer so that you can log into the different uh, webinars and kind of group meetings that we are going to be doing on Zoom. This will enable us to actually be able to connect together without being together. Uh, You can see people there. You can have conversations there. It's a new experience for us, so I'm sure there's going to be a learning curve, but we are going to try and move forward through this together. And we've got a number of things planned already. On Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m., we are going to have a Zoom meeting, and it's going to be called Help. I'm stuck at home with the kids. And so if you are in that category, you're going crazy because your kids are no longer at school. They are with you all the time. And I've seen you guys being so creative. Everyone's outside doing chalk drawings on the sidewalk and doing all kinds of crafts. You know, but after about two weeks, it's like I'm out of ideas. My kids have only lasted like a attention span of five minutes. This is an opportunity for you guys to be encouraged and to encourage one another, to pray for one another. That's going to be taking place Tuesday at 2 p.m. Now, we're going to put all this information on our Facebook page. And so if you are not uh, subscribed to our Facebook page, please do so. We're going to try and make this as available to you as much as possible so that you can connect as easily as possible. And again, Zoom seems to be the best way to do that. So Tuesdays, 2 p.m., help. I'm stuck at home with the kids. Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m., we're going to Zoom in prayer with Beth. And that's going to be taking place again Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Now, these classes are only your classes. These meetings can only last a maximum of 40 minutes because that's the free version and that's what we have right now. But we want to uh, meet as we can. And so please join. We don't know if they'll go for the full 40 minutes, 
but this is an opportunity for us to get together, lift up the different prayer requests that we have, as well as hear the requests of others and to pray of how we can be useful in this time and this season. So we got Tuesday afternoons help. I'm stuck home with the kids. Tuesday evenings, Zoom in prayer with Beth. On Friday evenings at 6.30, we are going to be doing a Zoom in on mental health. I am going to be talking with Dr. Quinlan, and we are going to be discussing how to maintain mental health through this time. I was chatting with Dr. Quinlan last night and going over some of the ideas that we want to uh, cover in this. And this is going to be a time where you guys can listen to us and also We want you to ask questions. If you have questions uh, concerning what you're going through, not sure how to deal with it, you can bring those questions up and then we will bring them up in one of the meetings. These are things that we're planning on doing every week. So twice on Tuesday, Friday, and then Saturday morning, we have Zoom in on Ben with the men. That Saturday morning's at 9 a.m. So now we can meet twice on Tuesday, Friday evening, and Saturday morning for the guys. This is all opportunities for us to connect. It's unfortunate that this term social distancing has come about because I think that's an unhealthy way of thinking of this. We socially need to be connected. We physically can't be. And so this is an opportunity for us to be socially connected, even though physically we are disconnected. And so don't allow yourself to be isolated and to become socially disconnected. We want to maintain uh, the ability opportunity to communicate with each other. It's vital. It's important. And there are still so many things that can be done that we want to see taking place. You know, it's crazy that a month ago we were gathering together and we were talking about how we can step into the lives of some of the kids at the schools who are in need wanting to provide for them hygiene products, some snacks and things like that. And we did that for one of the schools and we were looking to do that for more schools. And now all the ways that we were trying to extend ourselves and reach out to people have stopped, but they're still in need, right? There's still kids who don't have these things. There are still kids who are struggling and suffering because they can't go to school there's got to be a way where we can still meet those needs. It just has to change how we do it. And so I don't want to back off from our social responsibilities. We just need to be wise in how we lean into them. And so these are things we are going to be navigating through in the future to find out how can we still engage ourselves with what is going on around us. I understand that a lot of you have been laid off, um, have had to step out of work, are now collecting unemployment. Your life has changed dramatically, and there's a lot of fear that comes into that. And we want to be sensitive to those things, and we don't want you to feel any 
added burden than you're already feeling, but we do also want to make uh, aware to all of you uh, ways for you to continue to support what God is doing at Genesis and our community here. Um, there's a number of things that we can do. You can give online at thegenesisstory.com. You can uh, go to a bank app and send it to, again, info at thegenesisstory.com. Or you can mail the check at our address at 59... I almost gave you my home address. You can send it to my house. At 1043 West Foothill Boulevard here in Upland. Most... In fact, all churches, from what I understand, have seen a drop in uh, the tithes and the offerings. Not surprising. Um, if you're still able to, these are the means that you can. If you can't and you are struggling and in need for basic items, there is a phone number on our website and on our Facebook page. Please call us. And let us know so that we can do what we can as a community to help and extend ourselves to you. The church is never about getting money, and I don't want us to add any more burden to you. But if you are still able to give, uh, these are the means that you can do so. Uh, Understand that our giving uh, has declined just because we're not gathering together. And maybe you didn't know how or where you could mail the checks. This is the information regarding that. And so those are some of the things that are taking place. Uh, Also want to remind you that the kids are going to be having the Genesis Kids online on Facebook. And that's going to be live on Facebook at 11 a.m. with Conchina. And so you can join in with her at 11 a.m. with the kids, and she's going to be doing that live from her house. Well, because of how things are, I I want to continue moving forward, but I'm expanding how I wanted to talk about the deconstruction, where we were talking about just really the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus is deconstructing the way we think to live more into how he would think. I've expanded that just because I want to be relevant to the things that are taking place. This is still kind of a deconstruction, but we're going to extend ourselves outside of the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, I want to talk to you about school, jet skis, the 2004 NBA Dream Team, and the Vietnam War. A disciple at the time of Jesus, began at an early age when a young boy was able to go into synagogue, even in five years of age, what they would do is they would begin to study in the school at synagogue, and it was called Bet Sefer, it was the house of the book. And at this time, they would begin to study and memorize the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. Memorization and oral tradition was so important in that culture. You got to think they didn't have access to computers and even writing materials weren't as readily available to them as they are to us. So everything was done by oral tradition. So memorization was an important and a big deal. From there, as they would get older, they would move on 
especially those who showed skill at an older age, to Bet Talmud, which is the house of learning. And here they would go on to study and memorize more of the scripture, more of the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. And their study would take on more of the perspective of that rabbi who was overseeing their study. And then from there, the best of the group would either move on with that local rabbi to Bet Midrash, was the house of study, or they would be encouraged to follow their family's trade and their family's tradition. And this is probably where Jesus went and became a carpenter or stonemason, which is crazy to think that Jesus didn't go on with one of the rabbis, but he was encouraged to go on to his family's study. But at this point, a student would approach his rabbi if he was one of these top people, and he would ask the rabbi if he could follow after him. The student would approach and he would ask his Talmud if he could, or his rabbi, if he could be a Talmudin, and that was the word for disciple. And if the rabbi chose them, he would extend a verbal invitation, Lech Hakira, I think that's it, or Lech Aria, come follow me is the words, right? He would extend that invitation asking him to come and follow him, to be that disciple, And it was much more than just physically following him. It was meant to come and become like me. Think the way I think. Act the way I act. Live the way I live. Discipleship was much more than knowing. It was about becoming. And the way this happens is by the daily observance, the daily practice, following after their rabbi. There was a saying, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea is may you be following him so close that the dust from his sandals would kick up and hit your clothes before it hit the ground, because that's how close you were in following your rabbi. They would memorize his words. They would adopt his unique interpretation of the scripture And this is much of what we see in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus would say, you've heard that it was said, but I say unto you. And they would imitate his way of life. And then they would continue by making disciples. Now, I think one of the clearest ways to understand discipleship is parenting. Because discipleship is happening whether we know it or not, right? Every parent knows that your child will act like you way before they begin to do what you say. That's what discipleship is. I have a story about my grandson. I was hesitant to tell it, but it's just too good. But I'm going to have to abbreviate it a little bit. Corrine was, I think, bathing him in the bath, and it was time for him to get out. And so she told him, hey, it's time for you to get out. And he said, no, I don't want to get out. And she goes, no, you have to get out now. And she got up, and she started to walk away, and he mumbled under his breath, (laughs) a-hole. I'm sorry I'm laughing at that. But he learned that. Now he has older siblings. He has people that he's been around. What was... 
shocking about that wasn't that he said that. It was the context. He knew how to say that in a term that was relevant. I find that amazing. You see, no one taught him to do that. He saw, he perceived, and he was able to adapt that. Now, I want to tell you, my grandson is an amazing kid. It's just one of these things that if you're a parent, I hope you're laughing right now. And if you're shocked, I don't know what to tell you. Um, This is my life and this is our life. So discipleship is becoming like. It's living like. So the question in my mind is, how do we act like Jesus right now in our circumstances and our time? How does that shape the way we behave, the way we think? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul writes and he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation of the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I always have to pause right there because that is powerful. That is a disciple. That is a person following Jesus. This is what that looks like. He goes on in verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, this is discipleship. This is what it looks like. I have known and memorized a lot of this passage, but I'm still struggling to live it. I am still trying to live in step with my rabbi, to follow in the steps even as Jesus did. He is telling us to follow in his steps. And I see two things in this passage that stand out to me. One is the perspective, how Jesus saw himself. And the second is empathy, how Jesus saw others. You see, being in the form of God wasn't about being in charge It was about taking care of those in his charge. When we have a position of authority, leadership, leverage, do we see ourselves as being in charge 
Or do we see ourselves as taking care of those who are in our charge? This has to do with perspective and it has to do with empathy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 40, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Eugene Peterson in his message translation says, live generously. And that's the point. You see, one scenario, you are subject to the other person's power over you, but the other perspective, the other scenario, the person is indebted to your generosity. You see, where someone has leveraged power over you and you see it in that way, then you're a subservient to them. But if you extend yourself beyond that, you are living a generous life and now they are indebted to your generosity. It changes things, but not in the way that we normally think, not in the typical manner of leadership as it's been presented to us in our world of politics, in our world of business, and even in the world of the church. It's always about who is in charge instead of recognizing who are we in charge of and how do we show generosity to them. That comes with a different perspective and it comes with a developing of leadership and empathy. And I have failed this to do this in so many ways. I have failed as a manager in places where I've worked. I failed it as a spiritual leader. I failed this as a father. There are so many ways where I have failed to be a person of extreme generosity and empathy. Our family used to go on vacations for a week every year. We'd go to different places. We'd stay at beach houses, at lakes. And there was one year where we went to uh, Clear Lake up north. And this was our second year going there. The first year that we went there, we rented some jet skis and we had a great time, but they're just so expensive to rent. We couldn't do it for more than an hour. And when you have a whole family trying to share with an hour, it's just, it went too quickly. This year, we set up a time where I actually borrowed a friend's jet skis. He had two jet skis. I got his trailer. We hooked our van up, and we took the jet skis up to Clear Lake. We were so excited. We were going to have a week with our own jet skis on the lake. We were getting there the first day. Couldn't wait to get the jet skis in the water, back the trailer in, unloaded them. And two of my boys, whose names will remain Anonymous at this point, you know who you are, took them out. We gave them a little talk. Hey, you know, be safe, do this, make sure you, yeah, 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 we got it, we got it, we got it. Boom, they're off in their jet skis. They're taking off and you can hear them out there as we're unpacking still and we're loading things up. And all of a sudden we hear, boom, and then there's no more sound of jet skis. And I think it was Kareen who said, what's that? What happened? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Go out and we look. And the jet skis are there, our boys are in the water, but they're not moving. And so we get on Jeff's boat and we go out to see what's happening. And what had happened is one of the boys was trying to jump the wake of the other jet ski, but he didn't. He cut in front of him and they ended up crashing into each other. I couldn't believe it. The jet skis are sitting there and they're just almost sinking And as we pulled up in the boat, my first words were, what did you do? Jeff, my cousin's husband at the time, 
who's passed away with us now, his first words were, are you okay? When those words left his mouth, my heart sunk at my first words. You see, I figured they were okay because I saw them and they were kind of yelling at each other so I knew they were okay because that's typically what they did. But I was so concerned with, oh my gosh, the jet skis. The first day, within the first hour, they totaled my friend's jet skis. The rest of the week, we had no jet skis. We had the carcasses sitting on the landing. A reminder of what had happened. And of course, it was a long week. And then the expense of fixing those jet skis. It was an expensive vacation. You see... One is concerned about the things. The other is concerned about the people. What did you do? Are you okay? Think of this scenario. Someone is failing in their job at work or maybe even in a a position in ministry. And this is going on for a period of time, say six months straight. I, as a manager, I, as a leader, I approach them and I tell them, hey, you're failing. You've been dropping the ball for six months now. If you don't step it up, I, I can't guarantee your position in the future. Think about what that does to the person. It's not very encouraging, right? They're, they're left thinking, oh, man, there's more pressure on them wherever they're at. Imagine now me as a manager, as a leader, going up to a person saying, hey, listen, you've been struggling. You've been dropping the ball for like six months now. Are you okay? Is everything all right with you? What's going on? One is concerned about production. The other is concerned about the person. Caring about people is to be at the heart of, of who we are as disciples, see others as more important than yourself. Having that mindset. Empathy, caring about a person more than production. See, I don't know what's going on. Maybe their marriage is collapsing. Maybe their parents are sick. Maybe their child is struggling, using drugs and addicted. Maybe they're going through hell and I don't know it. And all I'm concerned about is outcome. Following in the steps of our rabbi is about caring for others more than ourselves, about being empathetic. If my attitude is how can I get the best out of these people, then I'm using them like a towel. I'm, I'm wringing out everything I can from them How can I help people? That's a different attitude. That's not using people. That's coming alongside and making them important. Seeing them as important, more important. That includes rude customers. That includes people who are ungrateful. That includes exhausting members of the family. That that includes the people we encounter. How do we show empathy? How do we see people as important? How do we see value in someone? 
who isn't displaying value. See, Jesus, when he looked out at the multitude in Matthew chapter 9, he, he went out there and he saw the multitude there. And it says that he saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's empathy. He saw them harassed and helpless. And then he told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Make disciples. What are they to be? They're to be people who also see them as harassed and helpless, right? If people are harassed and helpless, how are we to respond? Is it with judgment? Is it with condemnation? Is it with Rules, regulations, is it to put a, a burden on them? Ask them to live up to this standard you need to produce, you need to be better, you need to do these things? Or is it with empathy and compassion like our rabbi? How are we supposed to respond? We can only have empathy when we have the right perspective. If I see people as just annoying and not harassed and helpless, I'm not going to have empathy. When I move from a me to a we, when I stop comparing myself to people or myself to others, but start seeing the whole picture that we are in this together. In 2004, the Lakers had what was called the dream team. They had... Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, Gary Payton. They were supposed to win it all, but they lost to the Detroit Pistons. I doubt anyone, or most of you, can even, mention, can even name one person on the Detroit Pistons team from 2004. There were no stars, but they beat the Lakers because they were working as a team. And it was one of those great lessons and it doesn't matter how excellent you are by yourself. If you cannot work together, you're not gonna see this through. Think of the picture that we're in now in our society and, and where we are at and, and having to stay home, having to be aware uh, of distancing ourselves, thinking about what we can do to make sure other people are healthy make sure that other people have their needs met, trying to be empathetic for what's going on to others and not just allow fear to consume us where I need the ball, I need to get what I've got to get, it's about me, and we start destroying this understanding of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. We stop living in the perspective and empathetic ways that he lived. And we are forced now into the situation because now things get more serious, right? Well, no, I need to get the supplies and, and I need to get these things and I, I'm out of work right now and I, I don't have. And so now what is going to happen? Am I going to still see others as more important than myself? Or now my needs are so pressing on me, they become the most important. What did Jesus do? Though existing as God, he saw others more important than himself, gave himself even to death on the cross, right? And God highly exalted him. There is something more important than 
comforts. There's something more important than just maintaining this idea of what we have to have. There, there's something about life that needs to be learned here, that needs to be lived here, that we will not embrace unless we follow in these steps. January 1968, the North Vietnamese launched what is now called the Tet Offensive. Tet was the equivalent for Christmas. It was a holiday. And typically on that day, there was no fighting. It was kind of a ceasefire. And so it was expected to be that way. Most of the commanders were at places where they could relax, take it easy, eat, have you know a, a day off because it was the Tet and it was something that was normally known as just like a Christmas. Everyone laid back, no fighting on this day. That was the day that the North Vietnamese decided to launch 85,000 troops in 125 different locations. Their goal was to overwhelm the U.S. forces and bring a swift end to the war. What ended up happening, the U.S. forces lost fewer than 1,000 troops, while the North Vietnamese lost 35,000 of the 85,000 troops. And this took place in just over a week's time, which is just incredible. And, and over the course of the next 10 years, U.S. forces tragically lost fewer than 1,000 troops. The North Vietnamese lost 3 million. And looking back, the U.S. won an overwhelming majority of the battles that they fought. The major battles, all those skirmishes, they won the majority of them. The question then has to come, how do you decimate your enemy, win the majority of battles, and still lose the war? Simon Sinek talks about this in his talk, The Infinite Game, and he talks it about in a business sense. If someone is fighting to win a battle while the other person is fighting to save their lives or to win the war, then the person who has got the long-term, the infinite battle, who doesn't have an end in sight, will outlast the person who has this short-term goal. I'm here to win this battle. I'm here to get this done. And they're not thinking of the end game. Same thing happened with the Russians in Afghanistan. They were there to try and win battles, but they didn't have the long term in plan while they did to save their country, their lives, their livelihood, and they outlasted and won. If life is a battle, if what we're going through would be considered a battle, what's the war? What is the end game? If we are going to go through this struggle, what is the long-term goal? See, why would Jesus be willing to go to a cross to die if it was for a short-term win? But it wasn't. There was a long term goal here. And it's something that we as disciples, as followers of Jesus are, are stepping into. 
It is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there is a battle taking place, but there is a war that is bringing the kingdom of heaven to be a reality here that we get to be a part of. And if we don't see that, we will see our time, our situation as all there is. And we'll try to live to get the things that we need. And we will miss the opportunities to see long past the struggle into what can be done. A lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are struggling. Not just where we live, in the world. If this isn't a time for us to step in and to show empathy, if this isn't a time for us to have a different perspective, I don't know what is. This is what we were made for. This is following in the steps of our rabbi. This is allowing the dirt from his sandals to cover us with the example that he left to follow in his steps, to be like him, to care about those who are in need, to to not be all about how do I preserve myself? How do I get what I can? How do I make sure I'm secure? How do I make sure that I keep all the things that I have and lose sight of the kingdom? We have to have the long-term focus. This is always what it's about. This is always what it's like to be a disciple. It is always to follow in our rabbi's steps. He emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, How can we serve the people around us, our community? How can we serve one another in this time when we're having to be physically distant? Maybe it is make a phone call. Maybe it is to call and see if someone has the supplies that they need. Maybe we can get in touch with the schools and see if they are still helping those kids that are in need. And maybe we can bring some supplies to the schools that they can get to the kids. See, We're not helpless. Our our hands aren't tied. We aren't losing here. We aren't in a place where we're deficient. We have the opportunity to leverage our generosity where people are indebted because we care so much. How can we do that? The Spirit of God lives in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Why? So we can be conquerors? Yes, conquering the way Jesus conquered, by emptying himself and being a servant, by conquering, not by authority that governed over, but by empathy that undergirded and supported. That is what the power of the spirit of God is to do within us. It's not to isolate ourselves, to put others down, to lord over. It is to come alongside, to help, to build up, and to show that we are his disciples, because by this all men will know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. This is the time to follow our teacher, our rabbi, and to walk closely in him his steps. Let's pray. Father, I do pray for those who are struggling right now, Lord, that we would have hearts 
that are empathetic, that we would reach out and see the needs. Lord, those who are short-tempered, those who are, are losing it, those who are becoming impatient and showing just an ugly side of humanity, Lord. Instead of condemning, I pray, Lord, that we would ask, are you okay? That we would reach out in your love and compassion and see even these people who are on the other side of the aisle who are rubbing us the wrong way as more important than ourselves. Lord, this is your example. This is how you lived, and it's how we want to live. And God, I fail at this so often, and I and we need the power of your spirit to help us, to remind us, to guide us in this endeavor. Lord, there is a battle going on, but the war is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we live into that every day of our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Randy's going to close in one more song. Thank you guys for being with us. I want to remind you to join us on our Zoom meetings taking place this week. Uh, You can find them on our Facebook page. We'll be putting the link so that you can join there. And let's not be disconnected even though we can't be together. Let's lean into what we can do as a community. Let's continue serving and following in our Lord's steps. May the Spirit of God continue to move upon our hearts and help us to follow in the steps of our rabbi. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.